This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This episode is brought to you by Bulldog Online Yoga. Try your first 30 days for free at bulldogonline.com and use the code SHAMELESS to get an additional 50% off your first paid month. That's bulldogonline.com, code SHAMELESS. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Bulldog Online Yoga. Try your first 30 days for free at bulldogonline.com and use the code SHAMELESS to get an additional 50% off your first paid month. That's bulldogonline.com, code SHAMELESS. Nikki Tucker is a 16-year finance professional, divorce financial strategist, and founder of The Firm Approach. She is also the mom of a teenage boy, part-time foodie, and oat milk latte lover who helps female breadwinners prepare their finances for divorce. She helps those in the early stages of the divorce process gain clarity and reduce overwhelm by arming them with information, strategies, and resources to confidently maintain their financial security, whether they end up divorced or not. She works with clients through her signature program, Silent Preparation Series, which has both on-demand and live learning options. So we joked at the beginning of this conversation that we were going to talk about divorce and money and it was going to still be fun. And I think we delivered. So I want you to listen in and see what you think. This is a really great episode for so many reasons. And we were talking after the fact about how this could be so helpful for anyone who might be considering something really big and hard and overwhelming like a divorce or someone who might know someone else who is or just someone who needs some support around the significance of financial independence and how to start taking some steps towards financial independence and why that's really, really significant. So 
Listen in to hear Nikki share why divorce can be empowering and positive and liberating, why she has chosen to work exclusively with women in her business, why it's crucial for women to be financially independent regardless of the status of your marriage, why financial independence is an insurance policy for women, how she works with women as a divorce financial strategist, the two questions she helps women answer when they are considering divorce, the biggest myths about divorce that keep women in unhealthy marriages, how to redefine family in the face of divorce, how the pandemic is impacting divorce scenarios and divorce rates. This was fascinating. I learned a lot of new things in this part of the conversation. And lastly, her bid adieu philosophy that you need now that has to do with automating, delegating, and outsourcing, which is a brilliant way to be a shameless mom, by the way. So this, like I said, not what you would think would be a fun topic, divorce and money, but it was a really fun conversation. So with all of that said, let's welcome Nikki Tucker to the Shameless Mom Academy. Nikki, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I am very happy to be here and I can't wait to dive into all the good stuff. (laughs) We have a lot of good stuff to cover today. So we're going to be talking about really fun subjects like money and divorce. (laughs) Yes, aren't those super exciting? (laughs) So exciting. But I do feel like, so this is actually kind of funny. I don't know if it's funny. It might be really weird. When people tell me that they're getting divorced or that they have, this actually happened recently. I ran into someone that my son um, went to preschool with, a parent from his former preschool. And the mom said, oh, well, my husband and I are now not no longer together. And I was like, oh, congratulations. And she gave me the weirdest look. <laughs> like as if she just said she was like having a baby or something. Um, so I was like, well, what I mean by that is I know that that's not a decision that's taken lightly. And so by the time people get there, I know that you're typically ready, like you're starting fresh, and there can be a sense of freedom and power that comes with that. And she was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think that even though money and divorce can be, you know, difficult, and if not triggering words and situations for people, I also think there's can be a lot of power around the independence that comes from getting a grip on money and having a shift in a relationship that creates new opportunities and allows you to maybe more completely become yourself. So from that stance, I'm excited. I think that your response should be the common response, actually. <laughs> I love it. I'm glad that, you know, that you're not scared. That you're, <laughs> no, you're not scared no, of me no. in our first few minutes. <laughs> well, and the part of the reason that I feel that way is Granted, to the points that you just made, there's some situations where it is very emotional and and maybe even traumatic and and sad. And so not discounting that at all. But it's an opportunity for new beginnings. And that is something to be excited about. And it's I think it's okay to say congratulations or good for you or whatever. And now if someone curses you out because you said that's a different story, but (laughs) the intentions are good. Right. So before we dive into all those things, I know we're going to cover a lot there. Tell us just a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh, life has been amazingly interesting. I think that's a a fair way to put it. So I like to say (laughs) (laughs) that's such a like diplomatic way to talk about our being in a a pandemic for a year. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll find out why in a second. So 
I have what I call a nine to five, a five to nine and a 24 seven. Oh, gosh. And what that basically means is I do have a full time job, um, a career in finance. I've been working in the financial industry for over 20 years. I started my own business about five years ago and I keep both because I, I'm actually one of those people that really like my day job and I love what I do. And I'm also a single mom. And so that's the 24 seven side. Like you don't really get to turn that off. The part that makes it interesting is I'm a single mom to a teenager. So my son just turned 16. And the fact that we have been locked in a two bedroom condo together for about a year now at this point has made it very interesting. We've gotten to know each other. I bet. Better. Good, bad, or indifferent. I was going to say for better or worse. <laughs> yes, exactly. And my day job, actually, because it's in the financial industry, I was heavily involved in the PPP process for small businesses. And I'm actually still actively involved in that. So there was a lot of work and a lot of late night hours for that. And that also had me drinking more wine than I normally would, wearing like blouses with pajamas on the bottom. <laughs> so it's been interesting. But at the same time, I'm really excited because we are in the process of building a new home. It should be ready in about two months. And I don't know that I would describe it as a dream home, but it's the first time we've had new construction for a house. And that's been a roller coaster slash labor of love, but exciting at the same time. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, big things. I can't imagine the beast that is working in with, through the PPP process and not to like derail our conversation too far there, but as someone who's been through the process and it required many, many calls to my bank, I'm like, I would not want to touch that professionally. <laughs> I don't, I don't blame you. I don't want to touch it half the time either. But the, the rewarding side and what I love about being in finance, in my day job, in my business is I can connect the dots very quickly to how I help people. And so whether it's on an individual basis and we're talking about someone going through the divorce process or it's on a larger basis. And I know that the work that I do is directly impacting the community that I live in or the community that I hang out in. Or, and oftentimes it's national clients. That just makes me feel really good about my decision to go into finance. So it's cool. I like it. So in your five to nine job, and maybe also in your nine to five job, you work exclusively with women. Is that right? That's correct. That Tell us why that was an intentional choice. So I get, I get asked this question often, how come you don't work with men? And it's usually a man asking the question. And so I often say, I don't have anything against you guys. Okay. You're cool. I like you. But at the same time, for me, it really comes down to connection and statistics, honestly. So that's like the, the nerd side of me. I understand the weight of being a female breadwinner, especially now as a single mom, and the importance of having support, like a sister circle or support network, and just some of the things that, that we are considering and thinking about and it weighs heavy and keeps us up at night. And we're always trying to do all the things. You know, I like to say we bring home the bacon, we cook the bacon, we wash the skillet out, like we have to do all the things. And so I find that it's much easier for me to connect with women because I can empathize with them. At the same time, from a pure statistical perspective, I know that women traditionally earn less money, they save less, they invest less. 
And so, and on top of that, they also outlive men. That's not the best combination to have when it comes to your money. And so while some of those elements are generally outside of our control, there are a few things that I see as being within our control. And one of them is having the confidence to make really smart money decisions. So I strongly, strongly, let me emphasize that, believe that all women deserve financial security or what some may call financial peace of mind. And so one of the most common ways for financial security to be threatened is by going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And because of all those statistics that I just mentioned, I know that women tend to face more financial challenges post-divorce. So at The Firm Approach, it's really about focusing on helping women who work outside of their home to confidently prepare for divorce and really preparing their finances. So that's why I choose the chicks. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm curious your thoughts, like as a preliminary step to divorce, I mean, most I think a lot of people don't think they're ever going to get divorced. So I'm curious your thoughts around women in finance who think that their marriage is fine. And like, is this and I actually talked, are you familiar with Farnoosh Tarabi? I am. I love her. She's so great. Podcast, listen to her podcast and everything. She's great. Yeah, she's so great. She was on the show and she made this controversial statement, which I totally agreed with, but not everyone did, that women should always be financially, have the ability to become financially independent should they need to at any time versus like waiting until they want to get divorced and then having to scramble and figure that out or waiting, you know, having some other unexpected, you know, horrific death in the family or whatever, and then having to figure it out. And so, you know, I don't necessarily think that you should always be planning for divorce. But what are your thoughts on like women just being financially independent, no matter what the status of their relationship is? I think it's crucial, absolutely crucial. And if we put a different spin on it, as opposed to preparing for a divorce to end, or something bad to happen and take it back to the peace of mind aspect. So Having the ability to say, regardless of what happens, I'll be okay. For example, I have car insurance, so I don't want to get into a car accident. But should I get into a car accident or something happen to my car, I'll be okay because I have car insurance. Or, for example, renter's insurance. I'm currently renting, but will be buying again. And I have insurance on my condo as a renter because should something happen, I want to be okay. And so to your point, no one goes into a marriage with the intention of getting a divorce, but we do know that it's a possibility. And so what I've learned in life more than anything else, whether it's just about money or just being really smart about some of the decisions we make and things we decide to do, being prepared for the possibility brings an insane amount of peace of mind and allows you to move about the world a little bit differently, right? So should something happen, just be prepared for it. And as a kid, there were two messages that my uncle constantly told me. And one was, don't live outside of your means. And the other was, you need to be able to take care of yourself, period. That was it. Like there was no context. So what did I do when I was younger? I lived outside of my means (laughs) and I moved in with my boyfriend and he was the one taking care of me when I was like 18. Okay. So clearly I didn't listen. However, now I understand. I understand exactly (laughs) what he meant. And I had to have some bumps in the road and, you know, some hiccups here and there in order to really have an appreciation for that advice. But I just, again, I believe that it's a non-negotiable thing. You have to be able to make a decision in a split second sometimes. And when I say split second, I don't mean it literally, but... But yeah, but could be quick. 
Yeah, exactly. And know that you'll be okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious what brought you to this place of wanting to specialize in these two areas jointly. Again, going back to like where we started the conversation with this kind of joking about like two really happy subjects, money and divorce. I'm curious <laughs> what brought you why you thought this would be a fantastic niche for you. Yeah, I literally was the kid playing with the calculator, the adding calculator with the rolling <laughs> tape. As a kid, I thought those were so cool. And then I learned that it's really accountants that use those. And I hate accounting. So <laughs> that wasn't going to be my career. And then at the same time, I started teaching financial literacy when I was in college, really to help myself and get tips on personal finance, but also because I saw the need for it. And as I kind of progressed through college and first couple jobs and trying to figure out like my mo my own money situation and why I was making great decisions and not so great decisions, and then really started earning a decent amount of money and hanging out with people in my circle, professional women, badass women that I consider to be badass. We started to have similar experiences. So you know when you have a group of friends and you graduate around the same time because you went to high school together, maybe you go to college together, then you end up getting married around the same time, maybe having babies around the same time. Well, then the buck kind of stops there. Like no one really gets divorced as a group, you know? So yeah, you're kind of on your own. Yes. And what I started to notice was a few of my friends and close friends of theirs that were going through either going through a divorce or considering divorce had all of these fears about divorce. And often it was related to money. And I'm thinking, dude, I know that you make a decent amount of money and you're super sharp. You're super educated, smart, and you're worried about things that aren't even true. And so it forced me to start having conversations with them because they were coming to me asking me, well, what about this? And what about that? And I'm thinking, well, divorce is a deeper like niche, if you will, into the financial world. But a lot of the things that you need to know about your money, period, doesn't change when you're getting a divorce. It just becomes critically more important. And so when I noticed that thing first, and then also that a lot of the financial professionals and particularly CDFAs, which is a certified divorce financial analyst, they work with individuals that have a decent amount of net worth, higher net worth families. And I started to think, well, what about all the people that don't? Mm. There are plenty of people that are not high net worth and get divorced right. and need help and need information and want to be okay. And so I realized that there was a, a real need and decided to fill the gap. I think that's so great and made me think about a couple of different circles of friends that I'm in. And when someone in that group has gotten divorced, it's typically been like a group of, you know, four to six couples that have known each other in different capacities over the years. And then like one of the couples gets divorced and they don't have anyone else in the circle to lean on to say like, well, but what did you do when you went through this? Or how did you handle this? Or how did you handle that? And I would imagine and I know from talking to some of my friends who've done gone through this, that is a really isolating experience. And I could see where there would be such a need to have a trusted female that can guide you through talking about these hard pieces and see you in that situation and be your ally in that situation. Whereas your friend group might not be qualified or have any tools to help you out. 
or they do, maybe they've gone through a divorce or they know someone and they share things that scared the, can I say shit? Yeah, yeah you can say it. <laughs> scare the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now you're picking up that story right. and you're running with it and thinking that's what's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And no two divorces are like, just like no two marriages are like. And so you're doing yourself a disservice to say, well, so-and-so got a divorce and this happened to them, or my cousin got a divorce and this happened to them. That doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. And there are steps that all of us can take if we are facing a divorce experience to prevent a lot of those negative experiences. Again, Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together, we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm not discounting the fact that it is going to be emotional and there may be very trying times and difficult conversations, but everything about the process doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be complicated. Right. So can you tell us what is a divorce financial strategist? That's your official title, right? It is, but I gave it to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the best titles. So. So here's how I see it. The cool thing about creating your own business is just that. Exactly. You get to create it, right? So you can call yourself whatever you want as long as it kind of makes sense and at least connects with the people you're serving. So officially, I am a, a CDFA. I'm a certified divorce financial strategist. I'm also a personal financial literacy instructor. And then again, my degrees in finance, I'm a certified mergers acquisition Per, like I do a lot of stuff, okay, related to finance. <laughs> and all of us who don't work with money are like, we don't, that's another language that you just said. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what are you talking about right now? <laughs> but what I did when I started my business and initially it, it wasn't 
in the divorce arena. It was generally just helping hardworking women or what I call female breadwinners manage their money and it just improved the way that they manage their money. So that was the initial focus. And once I started doing that work and thinking about some aspects of my nine to five and thinking about what entrepreneurs learn to be their zone of genius and really started to focus on, well, what parts am I really good at? What parts do I genuinely enjoy? Because this is my business and I should only be doing it if I love it. And what I wanted to do was bring together the divorce world and the financial world, like you said earlier. And so that's why I started studying to to get the certification for the CDFA. But at the same time, I also knew that I really wanted to work with couples and women, particularly, that wanted an amicable divorce. I didn't want to go through a very contentious litigation process. I didn't want to sit on the stand and testify in court. That's what some CDFAs traditionally do, not all of them. And so I decided, well, let me give myself a different title. Let me think about my skills and all the skills tests that I've taken, Myers-Briggs, Colby, you name it, I've probably taken it. It all says that one of my strengths is strategic thinking. And so I just said, let me take all of those components, my years of experience in finance, the fact that I'm really good at being strategic and figure out a way to help the people that I want to help. So that's why I call myself a divorce financial strategist, because that's the part that I really care about the most. I want you to strategically think about your money and strategically think about your divorce. And whether you end up divorced or not, honestly, it's kind of a win-win. Yeah. How do you help women who are considering divorce? Do people typically come to you in like that preliminary phase of I'm thinking about this, but I'm not sure if it's the right choice or if it's even reasonable or possible given these all sorts of different variables, I'm assuming, but oftentimes money? Yes. So one of the ways that I help women is by answering really two questions, honestly. It's where do I start and what should I expect? That's the common questions that people have, men or women, when they are considering a divorce and trying to figure out what to do first or what to do next as the ball has begun to roll down the hill, if you will. And so the other thing that I know comes into play is what is my lifestyle going to be like? Can I keep the kids in the same school or the same school district? Can I afford the house? Can I stay in the house? Should I stay in the house? So I help women uncover the answers to those questions. As I referenced my friend circle and my extended friend circle, these were the questions that they had. Well, is he going to pay child support? Do I have to pay alimony? All of these things I level set so that you are familiar with some of the answers to these questions, and they're going to be like situation-based, of course, but then also so that you feel very confident and not overwhelmed about where to start and what to expect. So for example, a very common um, starting point for people that are considering divorce or starting the process is to have to complete a financial affidavit or financial disclosure. Most of us have never done that. If you've bought a house, maybe you've had to provide a lot of information, tax returns, income information, W-2s, et cetera. But to literally lay out everyone you owe, everything you own, and how much money you earn, and then knowing that that is going to play into the outcome of your divorce, that's pretty damn overwhelming. And so I like to help women with that starting point to say, let's walk through this together so that you understand how to fill out this form how to be organized, how to protect your credit, and then also 
how to avoid some of the common mistakes that people make when they're going through a divorce. So that's essentially how, how I help women. We have a signature program that I like to call silent preparation series. And I love the name. I'm biased, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I love the name because divorce is not something that you are boasting about on social media. So you made the comment earlier that it can be very isolating. Sometimes you feel alone. You don't know who you can trust. You don't know who you can turn to. But yet you still have decisions that you have to make and information that you have to gather. And you need to know who you can go to in order to do that. It's also critical for women to understand the modern divorce options. Like divorce laws are archaic. I will (laughs) tell anybody that, okay? However... Some of the technology, the technological resources that we have available to us that allow you to do a divorce online legitimately Mm. or the fact that you can have a therapist helping you and you're meeting virtually pandemic Mm -hmm. obviously helped people recognize that's an option. That this was actually possible. (laughs) Exactly. But those types of things are what I help women understand the different types of um, mental health therapists that are out there specifically for a divorce process or the different types of professionals that are available during the divorce process, because that's just not what you're you know, that's not the, the process that maybe your mom or your aunt went through 20, 30 years ago. So informing people with information and allowing them to prepare in the background, should they choose to do that, is kind of my thing. Yeah, I love that. This episode is supported by Bulldog Online Yoga. It's no secret that you're juggling a lot these days, and you have been for a while. And I know you've probably heard about the amazing benefits of yoga, anything from increased strength to better flexibility to improve mental focus. But yoga can also be intimidating. I used to do hot yoga, and oh my goodness, when I first started out, I started out in the studio that was super hardcore, and you weren't allowed to even have sips of water, except for at certain designated water breaks. There was like two in the 90 minute class. You weren't allowed to use a towel to wipe sweat off your body. Like it had all these rules. It was so intimidating. And I was so nervous the first few months that I did it because I felt like I was going to get called out for breaking a rule. So that is totally the opposite of what you're going to find when you work with Bulldog Online. Because Bulldog Online makes sure that yoga is accessible and it's fun and it's welcoming and it is not intimidating. It is not a place to go and feel bad about yourself or feel judgy about yourself. It's just a place to go and get what you need out of a yoga class, whether that's relaxation and stretching or maybe something more hardcore, maybe some power moves and some power flow, or maybe it's something really fun like yoga and dance. Bulldog is here to make it fun for you. So Bulldog is has streaming online classes. So you can do streaming online classes. They have a whole huge library broken down by category, or you can do live classes online, which is really, really fun as well. So their classes are easy to follow. They set up great playlists. So they set their workouts to music. It's really fun. I've done some of their workouts and they're, here's what I love. You know, I love short workouts. Their workouts are anything from 12 to 60 minutes. So you can do a 12 minute yoga workout, which I find to be very beneficial, or you can do as much as a 60 minute workout. This is yoga for all levels from beginner classes to heart pumping workouts. So you get to try Bulldog online for 30 days for free when you go to bulldogonline.com. That's bulldogonline.com. 
And if you use the code SHAMELESS, you're going to get an additional 50% off your first paid month. So that's bulldogonline.com, coupon code SHAMELESS. Go check it out and then let me know which classes you're doing. Maybe we could swap notes and do some yoga classes together. Bulldogonline.com, promo code SHAMELESS. I had a good friend going through a divorce or considering a divorce a while, a number of years ago now, but she, her statement as she started considering this was, I think I can make it five more years Mm -hmm. and to stay. Like, I think I can stay for five more years in this marriage and that would be best for my kids. And then like, I don't think I can make it beyond that. And I was like, you can't compromise yourself for five more years. And so I'm curious. And I would say, and I mean, she was doing this because she wanted to be really smart about obviously taking care of her kids and all of those things. But there was just all of these stories that she was telling herself and myths about divorce, I think that were in her head that were really making her feel like this was what she had to do. Like this was the best way and potentially the only way and the right way. So can you talk about some of the myths about divorce that keep women in unhealthy marriages? Oh, definitely. And it hurts my soul to hear stories like that. She didn't make it five more years, by the way, but <laughs> I'm not surprised. Congratulations. And to that's her. what, yes. I... <laughs> you know, probably the, the biggest myth aligning with what you just said is that divorce will hurt kids and parents are better off staying together. And while there are some nuances to a statement like that or a thought like that, there are facts that defy that. So we know that there are productive, successful individuals and adults in our society, society that are a product of divorce, period. Like that cannot be argued. And so someone having that thought and then ignoring facts like that that exist and examples like that that exist, it does legitimately sadden me because underneath it, I think there are deeper issues than really just being worried about hurting kids, right? Oftentimes it's our own pains and our own struggles, whether it's from our childhood or other things that we may be projecting a bit. And even from my own personal experience, I did not come from or was raised in a nuclear family, like literally the exact opposite. My parents were never married and they broke up when I was relatively young, like toddler age. And on the weekends, I didn't go hang out with my dad. I went and I hung out with my dad's family. So my grandmother, his mom, and my uncle and aunts, and we had a really good time. And then I also didn't live with my mother. I was raised by my grandparents, my maternal grandparents for most of my life. So I don't come from a nuclear family. However, I think I did okay, (laughs) right? I went to college and I picked a path, finance, and I stayed on that path. And my son is doing well. I have been married before. My son is doing quite well. He is a pretty much straight A student and is an athlete and he's well-rounded and I have great friends and all of these things. And so what I remember most about my childhood is not the fact that my parents weren't together. It was that I always had support and a ton of people letting me know how much they loved me and they cared about me. And it didn't matter that it wasn't always my parents. It was my grandparents. It was my aunts. It was my uncle. It was even cousins that embraced me and taught me lots of lessons and showed me lots of love. And my parents very rarely fought, even though they didn't necessarily like each other, but 
They didn't fight in front of me. I knew they weren't best friends and never would be, but they respected each other. And that was pretty much, I guess, all I could ask for when I think about it today. But it showed me examples of how to get along and how to be a family without having the white picket fence. That is what's important to me. And so I think your kids remember that. Yeah, so powerful. I love, I thank you for sharing such a great example of your sharing your story in that way, because I think that's such a great example. And I think it's all about how you frame it. And this makes me think about when we were sending my son, considering moving my son from a situation where we had an in-home nanny and putting him into a more of a preschool situation when he was two. And I was thinking, first of all, I already was prior to having a nanny was like, well, but I had always said I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, which then I really did not like. And so as we had these new situations with different caregivers coming in, there was times where I was like, I don't know, is this the right thing? And I remember someone saying to me, your child having other caregivers only expands their circle of love and the people that they feel that are part of the family. And that was, and when my, I think it was my mom who said that, but there's been multiple people who've said it to me since in different ways. And I looked back at the people who helped raise me. My mom was a single mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's so true. And so what a gift to my son that that he got to have Katie, our nanny, Katie, for a year and a half. And then he got to go to this preschool across the street from our house that had fabulous teachers. And he remembers them all so fondly. And he was there for four years. And so it's all about how you frame it. And I think that you absolutely can have this non-nuclear family, which is less and less the traditional family anymore. Mm -hmm. And you get to decide how you frame that. And I think that So you can decide to frame that in a way that's like, well, woe is me. I'm a single mom and things didn't work out the way I thought they would. Or it can be like, oh, my gosh, we get to expand what family means now because of these circumstances. And our family net gets to be like cast a little bit wider to include more people so that I can get the support that I need and the kid or kids can get the support that they need. Yes, 100 percent. Absolutely agree with you. I think another myth is outside of the kid situation and family structure is really related to money. And a lot of it has to do with not understanding what they're not entitled to. So I often hear women talk about, well, he's not going to pay child support. He's I'm not going to get spousal support or he said I'm not entitled to anything. And I'm like, and <laughs> like, that's not a thing. Right. He doesn't get to- like he doesn't get to decide. <laughs> yes, he doesn't get to decide. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. 
Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. So social security, for example, is not a negotiating item. That's something that is on the table or off the table, depending on how long you've been married. He doesn't get to decide that. okay? or, for example, if you're talking about support on the other side and someone is saying, well, I know I'm going to get your spousal support or maintenance. No, you don't necessarily know that. It depends on a number of different factors, your income disparity, your ability to earn more money, how long you've been married. And sometimes people think about spousal support or maintenance or alimony, call it whatever you want. It all means the same thing based on, again, experiences from 20, 30, 50 years ago. And the courts have kind of changed their tune a bit where people are not getting permanent alimony for the rest of their lives. You may get temporary, you may get rehabilitative, you know, you may get a lump sum instead of payment. So don't think that someone else's divorce experience is your own. I cannot enforce that or reinforce that enough. Yeah, I think that's really important. What surprises people about the divorce process? Oh, uh, so many things. I feel like we're selling divorce here. We're like, everyone's <laughs> going to be all ready to get a divorce. By the end of this. Listen, let me say that I am, despite my expertise <laughs> and my focus, I'm a hopeless romantic. Okay. So I love all rom-coms made in Manhattan, um, wedding planner, love Jones. I've seen them 20 times because I love the idea of love. I absolutely believe in the institution of marriage. I'm also a realist and I understand that they don't always work out. So that's my totally, yes. there. But a couple of things I think surprise people about the divorce process on the more negative side is just maybe the, the length of time that it takes. Sometimes they can be really quick. And you hear about people saying like, oh, we started and finished our process in six months. That's rare. Usually they take somewhere from 12 to 18 months, but they could be as long as three, four or five years. So I think that surprises people that it can be drawn out. And during weird things like a pandemic, it may be even longer. And then also the simplest way I can put it is what you think is fair, the judge may not. And so you may go into the process thinking, oh, I'm going to get this because this makes the most sense to me. And this is what's best for the kids or this is what I think is most best for the kids. And if you get to the point where you have to go to court because you could not agree to all of the terms about your divorce, you'll likely end up in court and the judge may not be on the same page with you as far as what you think is fair. So I've talked to a few women recently because I do this series on my blog called Reason Season Lifetime and and cover divorce experiences. And yeah, often surprised about that. Yeah, that's super interesting. I always joke that if I were to get divorced, that I would just take everything. I'm like, I would take, we have a rental house. I'm like, I would take our rental house and our current house. And prior to having children, I was like, and I would get the dog, like all these things. And so I'm laughing when you're like, 
people think that they're entitled to things that maybe they wouldn't be. So I think it might be a rude awakening in courts when the judge would be like, you don't just get to take it all because you're mad or because you feel slighted or whatever. What's that commercial? That's not how any of this works. It's not the way this works. Right, exactly. On the positive side, I will say that after having worked with clients and, and walking them through some of the stuff that we've talked about, I find that they're surprised that divorce doesn't have to be expensive because it can be. And we all know. I'm so glad you brought that up. I actually want to go ahead. I want to dig into that a little. Yeah, yeah. And feel free to to ask me questions where I, where I missed the mark. But because of the modern divorce options that are available. So, for example, the ability to do a divorce online, for example, or to go through mediation instead of litigation, which, again, is where you kind of fight everything out in court. If you remove some of the factors that complicate a divorce process, which is fighting over everything, not having a fair or realistic understanding of what you are entitled to by your state laws and divorce is is guided by state laws, then you actually have the ability to decrease the cost of the divorce if you prepare, if you understand, and if you can agree. Mm. Those are really three critical elements to keeping your costs down. Understanding something very simply, like if you use an attorney, they are your legal expert. They are not your financial expert, your emotional support. (laughs) They are not the person that will be there to answer all questions every time you have a question for free. They'll do it, but it's going to cost you (laughs) and it'll run up your bill. So Giving people strategies and tips on how to keep the cost down, I think, is a positive surprise because they're so used to hearing about like, oh, my divorce cost me $50,000. Like, eh, it doesn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely heard people say like, well, I can't, we can't even afford to get divorced or like that kind of thinking around it. Can you explain just a little bit? You mentioned mediation versus litigation. So mediation, you would not be working with a lawyer. You'd be working with like a divorce mediator. Is that correct? Yes, you actually can have a lawyer as a part of a mediation process, but typically you are working with the mediator. And so that person is she ser- he or she serves as a neutral, what's called a neutral third party to get you through the divorce process. And so they're going to manage your expectations about what to expect. They're going to help you to resolve issues and it generally cost less than what it costs to go through a normal litigated process. And so they operate as someone to help you come to happy enough agreement. No one's ever going to be fully satisfied with a divorce settlement. So let me just clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I'll say happy enough, something that you can live with that seems fair and keep the cost down and keep a lot of the disagreements and everything down. And there are people that start off in mediation and things become so heated and contentious that they don't continue through mediation. They end up going with attorneys. And then there are also individuals that like, I love working with mediators because you can have a supplemental support team to help you through the mediation process. So you could have an attorney that's there to help you through the process. You could have a divorce coach. That's also, again, a modern divorce option that's available for people. And just even a therapist, for example, can help you get through the mediation process, which as I'm naming all these people, you're probably thinking, well, isn't that going to be more expensive? Nope. They're still generally cheaper than attorneys. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yep. So <laughs> maybe lower if you use them in the right way. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's super helpful. It's super interesting. It's really interesting to hear kind of the modernization of divorce. <laughs> and even though you said that there's still like laws are written in archaic ways, but there's modernization of the process, which I think is really significant. And probably something that we probably, if you're like me, a child of divorce in the 80s, or the, I guess it was, yeah, the 80s, that you have assumptions that it's still the 80s. <laughs> 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 that it would be like the same as when my mom got divorced. And that's just not the case. Okay, I have to get your take on what do you think will be the impact of the pandemic on divorce rates? Well, surprisingly, um, to some, I think in the beginning, the divorce, the the start, like the petition to file, the start of divorce was higher in the beginning of the pandemic. But there is a direct correlation to income and money and divorce. And so with the number of people being... Can you explain what you mean? What Explain that what that means. So you made the comment earlier about we can't even afford mm-hmm. to get divorced. So if you have a family, for example, where both parents were working previously and now only one parent is working, if divorce was on the radar, it is probably at the bottom of the list now. One, because there's a fear around leaving and not having a job, a very realistic fear. There's concern or a lack of information around what that might look like and what support would look like not having a job or lack of money to start the process, lack of money to move out, for example, if you continue the process and you want to get your own place. Well, nine times out of 10, you need to put down a security deposit if you're renting or if you're sharing a car. Now you need your own car. So on a very fundamental level, the pandemic causing higher unemployment than normal means that there are people that legitimately don't feel like they have the ability to leave and are therefore not going to file. And so the rate of divorce from at least, again, an initiation process has actually come down during the pandemic. And so that's what I mean around the direct connection there. That is so interesting. That totally makes sense. I would not have guessed that. At the start, when people were forced to live together or be under the same roof, it's like, okay, we need to hurry up and file because I hate you and I'm not going to live like this, you know, not be able to go anywhere and I can't take this anymore. So I think it did accelerate the process and you you saw, saw a bit of a spike at the beginning of the pandemic, but now it's come down for those reasons. And to your point, when I'm like thinking like I'm assuming the rate is going up, well, the divorces that I'm aware of during the pandemic are mostly like high profile people where the money piece is like not significant, right? Exactly. (laughs) So, so interesting. Oh my gosh, this has been, see, I told everyone this was going to be a fun conversation, right? (laughs) (laughs) This has been so fascinating and so interesting. Okay. So I want you to tell people we're going to get, I want people to figure out how they can connect with you in just a minute. But first let us know how you are currently showing up as a shameless mom at one year into a pandemic with a teenage son in a two bedroom condo. (laughs) You know, it's funny because there's something that I've been doing pre-pandemic that I still do during the pandemic, maybe not as much as I would like to, but I call it bid adieu. It's kind of a spin on the, the French phrase, but it's ADO. So automate, delegate, and outsource. I have lived by this for years and I bid adieu as much as possible. And what that really means, anyone that knows me knows that if there's an efficient way to do something, That's the way that I prefer and likely the way that I'm doing it. And if there's something that I don't like doing, I'm not going to do it. So, for example, with all of my bills and 
um, a lot of the things that it kind of takes to, to run my household, if you will, a lot of that stuff really is is automated. So I do check on my budget and check in with my money very regularly, but it's more of just observing. It's not a lot of action that I have to take because so many things are automated. My son is older. And so when he says, mom, I'm hungry, I say, go, go in the kitchen and cook and find you something. (laughs) I don't like it's my responsibility to make sure you eat, but I don't have to be the one to prepare the meal all the time. I also strongly believe in outsourcing. And so whether that means having a service like I used to use Home Chef and now I use Real Eats because I love food. I consider myself a foodie, but I prefer someone else to cook it or at least somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. So Real Eats is a food service that I use that just allows me to kind of pop it in some water. It actually tastes really good. And I can have a quick meal and something that I would have made for myself in half the time. I hate doing laundry. So I've had a cleaning person for years because I don't like it. Is it difficult to do laundry? No, not really. I'm capable, but it's just something I don't enjoy doing. So whenever I have an opportunity to automate, delegate, or outsource, I do it unapologetically. And when COVID's over, I'm going to increase it more. I just don't have that many people around (laughs) right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love this philosophy. And I feel like everyone is going to now be thinking of all the ways that they can bid adieu. I think this is so important. And this is where we get in our way as shameless moms when we try to do everything ourselves and like wear our busy badge and be like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. Like, you don't need to get it. You need to automate it and delegate it and outsource it. So good. Yes. It has to be done. It doesn't mean you have to do it. Exactly. Oh my goodness, Nikki, this has been so interesting and helpful. And I also want to really acknowledge as much as I've, you know, tried to keep it light. I also think that there's pieces of this conversation or that this conversation as a whole could, has the potential to really deeply impact someone who's on the verge of taking a step or making a really serious consideration about the status of their marriage. And this might be just the impetus that they needed to give themselves permission and a little bit of confidence to take the next step. And so um, I really appreciate you being here because I know that that can be really, really powerful for people. Can you tell people where they can continue this conversation, connect with you and work with you if they're ready to take next steps? Sure, sure. And I appreciate you you saying that. I definitely love having the opportunity to have this conversation. And I love your podcast. I love the conversations you have on your podcast. Oh, so thank you. it's really awesome to be here. And I like connecting with people on a really intimate basis. And it's likely because I find this topic to be pretty private and intimate. And so one of the ways that people can connect with me is actually by getting my ultimate financial resource guide. So my team and I publish an annual financial resource guide where we go in and we do a lot of research and we hand select financial tools that help women as far as I call their journey before, during and after a divorce. So whether you're looking to earn some more money, to save more money, to get rid of some debt, improve your credit, learn how to bid adieu and some resources that can help you with that. All of that is in my ultimate financial resource guide. And once you grab that guide, you can get it on my website, thefirmapproach.com. And firm has two eyes. I always have to highlight that. (laughs) So it's the firm with two eyes approach.com. You can get that on the site as soon as you uh, go to the homepage, but the actual URL I'll give to you is just Firm Approach Ultimate Resource Guide. But 
grabbing that allows us to be connected and to for you to be a part of my newsletter community. And we just did a whole revamp because towards the end of last year or probably third into fourth quarter, I really started thinking about I want to reward women that are taking action. And I want to reward people that give me referrals. Most of my business comes through referrals, again, because the topic is pretty private and intimate. And so honoring that process and and that channel for me, I wanted to make the newsletter an opportunity for us to connect deeper, for me to provide more tips for us to get together online like Zoom and share information from experts like myself, but also other people inside the divorce space and outside of the divorce space. And then I even used a couple platforms that allowed us to create a reward system for being a part of the newsletter community. So I would say that's the best (laughs) Trying something new, but I'm really, really excited about that. I love it. And then we're also on Facebook and Instagram. So the firm approach is the handle for both Facebook and Instagram. I will say, I always admit this uh, very transparently. I don't hang out on social media a lot because of that nine to five, five to nine, 24, seven thing going. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I'm not there often, but there's enough resources and videos and information on there for you to at least get a good feel for who I am and and my approach for things like that. Awesome. Got it. Oh my gosh, so much good stuff. So I will link everything up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com and then click on the episode with Nikki Tucker, you'll get all of those things in the show notes all linked up for you. Oh my goodness, Nikki, thank you so much for being here. This was really, really fantastic. I so appreciate the energy that you brought to this conversation and all the resources and goodies that you brought, but also the work that you're doing and your mission. I think it's really, really important and I'm really grateful for you. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I hope that your listeners at least found one thing that they can take away, whether they're going through a divorce or not. Oh, I know they did. I will ask them. (laughs) Thanks, Nikki. (laughs) Thanks. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.